Pena with the bases loaded. One for seven with three RBIs. Again, the Wrigley crowd will come to their feet. Lefty against Ruddy. Wilson looking to get the Cubs out of the frame and keep Quintana in line for the win. 0-2. Fastball got him swinging. And speaking of our VIP guest for today, uh, that was a fun clip of our guest today, Brendan King, play-by-play -play announcer for the South Bend Cubs. But what you just heard was when he called a Chicago Cubs game. And that is his ultimate goal is to be the announcer for the Chicago Cubs. He's already within the organization in South Bend. He's really built up his progress on, on getting there. And he's just a kid that is making it happen. Uh, I was very excited when we finally got this interview lined up. Uh, we drove to him. We got to interview him while batting practice was going on in the background. We were in one of the suites. So it was a really awesome time. Great setup. And he's just one heck of a voice on the mic. Uh, Tim, what do you think about this interview with BK? Yeah, so BK killed it, man. I knew BK growing up through college. Um, and he's he's the prime definition of grind now, shine later. He, <laughs> he, the, he's a hustler, man. Yeah, because growing up knowing him, like he was always he spoke it into existence what he wanted to achieve with his career, and you can just tell every day he goes to work with that in mind. Um, and Brennan, not only is he play by play announcer, but his days start at if it's a night game, his days start at 10 a.m. He's there preparing, talking to the players. So we, we talked to him a lot about like the mental side of the minor leagues. Like he get he gives some good light into just the pressure that these players face and um, talking about slumps and just confidence because he, he talks to them. He he learns about their lives and he gets into his preparation, what goes into each uh, each broadcast and he, he gives his just his road path because I mean he. He started as the, the student voice for Butler University. Uh, he went to the Cape Cod League where he did the Orleans Firebirds. He's in Boise, Idaho, and how all of this has culminated into his experience right now with the South Bend Cubs. So he gives a lot of insight on, on really how to grind your way through things and, and networking. And if you're, if you're trying to achieve something that's uh, a long-term path, which is everybody, this is someone that you should talk to and listen to. So it was a short one, but a good one and a lot of value in it. So... Yeah, uh, this was, you know, he's he's a man on strict time. He's got to keep to his schedule. Uh, as we talked about, the best preparation, it, that's what wins. So uh, BK, he is a producer. He makes things happen. He He's a go-getter. He puts his eyes on the prize. He backtracks in how to get the reverse engineers it and gets down in the trenches and does the work. So BK, play-by-play -play announcer for the South Bend Cubs, future announcer for the Chicago Cubs. Yes, it will happen. He is a man who just gets it done. He can paint a picture with his words so beautifully that Michelangelo himself will come to tears. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Brendan King. This is a pretty nice venue you got here, BK. At uh, South Bend solid, Cubs man. Stadium. This yeah. is solid. I mean, it will be sold out tonight. It will be sold out tomorrow. I mean, last night, I think it was 7,990-something. Wow. So we were just shy of 8,000. I think that was the season wow. high. So 
probably should be something like that tonight and then tomorrow too. So That's cool. And uh, you have Zobrist in town. Zobrist is in town. Uh, really cool. I mean, you know, he's definitely – you know, trying to work his way back up to the Chicago Cubs right now. He's been on the restricted list since May 7th um, for personal reasons, and it, it's been really cool to watch him grow back and, and get back in the swing of things here. I mean, he attended spring training. He played 26 games to start the 2019 season, but it's really interesting to watch a guy go back to his roots. I watched him take batting practice yesterday, and okay. what he was talking about a lot was, you know, I just need to get – I need to get fresh. I need to get loose. And once he gets loose, then he starts taking harder swings, and he starts being more aggressive at the plate. And you really saw he took four at-bats last night, and each one of them there was some growth in his swing. And it, for minor leaguers, that can take an entire season to have that much growth in your swing. Okay. But for Zobrist, he went from a, you know, a, I've been off for three months swing to a major league swing in his last A-B where he just missed a home run. So wow. it's pretty cool. So how often do you see, because with any sport, but, uh, you know, hot streaks, cold streaks, like the mental piece of it, how much of that do you see, whether it's, you know, a major leaguer coming down for a bit, uh, the guys here, what does that look like? Because I'm sure you see a lot of of those uh, ups and downs too. Well, one thing I never really noticed before working in professional baseball was the full mental side of the game. I mean, the Chicago Cubs have a full mental skills department. They have four or five mental skills coordinators. One of them is John Baker, who was a catcher for the Chicago Cubs in earlier this decade. He, you may remember him because uh, he has a thing known as the Baker game, where it was where the Cubs, I believe it was 2014, so they still weren't contending. But he came in the pitch in extra innings, and then he scored the game-winning run. Oh, jeez. And uh, oh, wow. now John Baker is retired and is now working in the Cubs' mental skills department. So, you know, even in the minor leagues, each guy, you know, watches video. Uh, they call it neuro, um, breaking down their swing, breaking down their approach, and the mental part of the game is so important nowadays. Just because, I mean, maybe back in the day, guys really just focused on production, but now it's so much more than that. And the Cubs are really stretching that into the minor leagues. That's cool. That's awesome here because, like, we talk a lot of mental health on the show too, or just mindset in general, to where it's like your sport, like you have to be on all the time so it's like if something else is creeping in messing with your game you got to figure that out and that happens a lot in the minor leagues i mean tell you what you know these kids have a lot of distractions around them i mean we have a couple guys on this team who are 19 20 years old i mean remember what we were doing when we were 19 20 <laughs> yeah. you know sophomores at butler just kind of just rising <laughs> rising through college right i mean so these are like sophomores supposed to be sophomores in college some guys who are just out of high school that enter this this professional game were they're expected to perform. You know, some of these guys sign big signing bonuses. Some of them are high draft picks, first, second round, and they got to be expected to perform. And that's where the mental side of the game comes in because, I mean, for example, we have a kid, his name is Cole Roeder. He's out of L.A., um, second-round pick of the Chicago Cubs last year. Uh, he's only hitting 215 right now, but in his past 10 games or so, he's upwards of 350. And he is more than anybody worked on the mental side of the game, consistent swings, um, positive approach being able to go up there and have the mindset that you're going to go beat this pitcher because for 18 19 year olds if you get in the slump where you're one out of 10 two out of 20 three out of 30 that can really take a hit on you and that's one thing i really never noticed before broadcasting professional baseball Mm. that's cool so uh, as we're recording we're watching the south bend cubs warm up start to start their batting practice uh bk can you just kind of Walk us through your transitions and, and the road here. You've been uh, in other places throughout the country with baseball teams. Yeah. And so 
as long as Tim and I have known you, your dream was to be a Chicago Cubs announcer, and you're in the Cubs organization uh, already. So what did all that kind of look like? How'd that transpire in the work to get here? Because there's a lot of stuff that people don't see, all the hours that you put into practicing that craft to be able to be in the position that you were in. You know the way I really like to describe the journey so far and like the job is it's like an iceberg, right? A lot of people don't see the only see the tip of the iceberg, mm-hmm. but there can be so much beneath it, right? You know, for, goes on for a long time, but people only ever see the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. and the part that shines. And I kind of compare that to the to my broadcasting career so far because it's been a really cool past year, guys. I mean, getting to do a game at Wrigley Field, getting in the call Cubs W three nothing over the Milwaukee Brewers last September. Getting to have guys like Ben Zobers, Hugh Darvish, and Victor Caratini in town, um, it's been an awesome past year, but I don't think a lot of people realize just the amount of grind it takes and just the amount of commitment it takes to be part of this industry. So yeah, you're right. The the journey really started at Butler, um, coming in as a journalism major. Um, I was in one of the first classes of sports media majors along with uh, one of our buddies, Jordan Galligan. Um, we graduated in 2017, graduated with Tim, and you were a year behind me. But, um, yeah, that's where the journey really started, but also got going in high school as well. Uh, that's where I really picked up broadcasting for the first time uh, because there was an opportunity with a broadcasting club at Lincoln Way East in Frankfurt, Illinois, where they needed a kid to do a football game because I think the senior announcer at the time either got sick or he had some kind of commitment on a Friday night. So I slid in, did play-by-play for a football game when I was 14. Well, actually, it was a primetime Illinois football game. Lincoln Way East is a decently big school. I think yeah, we yeah. might have been playing Providence or something yeah, along those lines. So football up there. Right. So it was, uh, it was a pretty big matchup, and I just remember how bad I was and just how quiet I was. And I'll always remember that for the rest of this journey just because – you always remember, you know, one of the first stops, whether, you know, it's broadcasting business, being a doctor, you always remember those those first couple opportunities where you're like, man, I just sucked or yeah. you know, something <laughs> sure, along yeah. those lines. Got to start so, somewhere, right? right? Right. So it started in high school, went through Butler, able to become the lead student voice uh, for Bulldog Athletics. And, uh, you know, you guys know all that happened at Butler and all that growth that was helped by, you know, Scott Bridge and the College Communication um, all of our pledge brothers, all of our brothers in Delta Tau Delta support every day. And that ultimately skyrocketed to the professional ranks. And being around different parts of the country has been really cool. I, before my senior year, I was able to go out to Cape Cod, Massachusetts um, to broadcast for the Orleans Firebirds in the Cape Cod Baseball League. That is the top summer collegiate baseball league in the country. Mm-hmm. So a lot of guys that you'll watch here tonight when you guys are at the game played in the Cape Cod League. Uh, during their college years because that is the most um, direct to professional baseball route a guy can usually go. If you can have a good collegiate season in his spring, then go play well on the Cape during the summer. That can ultimately lead to being drafted in the next spring because scouts are at every game. Okay. So what was it about Cape Cod that that became kind of that hub? It was the launch pad of my career. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is it's not just a scouting area for players it's a scouting area and it's a developmental area for broadcasters mm-hmm. only the top collegiate broadcasters go out there and i've always said and i always will say i was just honored to be a part of that i was the kid from the smallest school i remember we had our first broadcaster meeting at the john f kennedy museum in hyannis massachusetts uh that's where the kennedys um vacation still 
actually John F. Kennedy vacation there when he was president, and Hyannis kind of become the Kennedy hub. Um, anyway, so there's a JFK museum there, and that's where we had the first broadcaster meeting, and you know, we're all going around introducing ourselves, and they say, you know, you uh, see your name, your school, and the team we're broadcasting for. So all these kids, you know, blank, blank, Arizona State, blank, blank. Blank, blank, Syracuse, blank, blank. Yeah. Uh, Brendan King, Butler, uh, Orleans Firebirds. <laughs> um, and, you know, Butler's not a small school. I mean, you know, it's a smaller enrollment school, but in the grand scheme of broadcasting things, I was the first Butler kid to ever go out to broadcast out there. Mm, okay. So there, the odds were stacked against to start, but I think being able to go out every day to the park and just have a lot of fun, be able to prove yourself was what led to the professional career. Yeah. Awesome. And, and you've, done, you've done football, you've done soccer, what what drew you to baseball? And I know you you grew up a Cubs fan specifically. What drew you to the Cubs as well? Just falling in love with the club, you know, as as a kid, mm-hmm. going to Wrigley for the first time when I was two with my dad and my grandma. Uh, we think we still have the st- ticket stub. We still have uh, pictures from that day. Oh, that's cool. And just falling in love with the team. I mean, back then, you know, it was still Mark Grace, Sammy Sosa, Kerry Wood, Mark Pryor, and then when we were growing up a little bit, Aramis Ramirez came in, Derek Lee. Zambrano. Carlos Zambrano, who yeah. is actually pitching right now at the Chicago Dogs. Really? Did you know that? I Zambrano no is on a comeback. He is pitching for a team called the Chicago Dogs in independent baseball. Okay. Wow. How old is he? 38. Okay. He's oh, still so throwing he, oh, 95. Can, I mean, still got, throwing 95 I mean, miles an hour. We got some sauce on we him We got Bartolo Colon pitching at 46. I'll have so. to show you the, the we picture when we're done. But he, like, he is more monstrous than he was when he was a Jeez. Chicago Cubs. Can't even imagine that. But, yeah, Zambrano, you know, Ramirez, Michael Barrett, uh, those are the guys, like, that were there when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was still playing Little League. So, you know, baseball is always, always in my blood. And I guess – as the years went on through college and after the Cape League, I was like, you know what? Like, I've kind of built up a decent resume with this baseball thing. And as a broadcaster, baseball, you know, can take it through the summer. Then in the winter and the fall, you can do, you know, football and hockey. So sure. baseball, if you can get it done in the summer, like, that's a good spot for a, a young broadcaster to be. Uh, but, yeah, there was always just a, a love for it. And being on Cape Cod was what ultimately – made me fully fall in love with it just because it's baseball out there as its purest form the collegiate guys out there are just there to play make a name for themselves and get drafted there are no walk-up songs there are no in-between games it is just baseball at its purest form and that was fully what made me you know what this is this is where i want to go that's cool so where'd you go after cape cod well it was the first job after college in in boise idaho uh, okay. that was the first stop um so after graduating, I think we graduated on May 6th. Um, I that's it was yeah. um, a few weeks later, and uh, I, I was going through some stuff at that time. I, you guys know the story about my uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, we could talk about that if you want. Um, but it was uh, Memorial Day weekend. I, cut, I caught a flight from O'Hare to Boise with my parents. Um, I had a couple of bags. I ordered some things on Amazon, like an air mattress. Like mm. I didn't know. Um, anything about the team. I didn't know anybody with the team except for the general manager and the guy that hired me. I didn't know anything about the city of Boise. I didn't know what my apartment looked like. I didn't know if there was a shopping center around it. I found out everything when I landed in Idaho wow. that day. Just going for it. I love it. But, like, that's that's what it takes. You know, if, if you want to get going, you got to take risks. Mm-hmm. And you got to take opportunities and chances because, you know, it might work out for you. And it really did. Um, th- so the Boise Hawks 
are a short season club team. So here in South Bend, we're full season. We play 140 games. Okay. Uh, with Boise, they play 76 games. So um, they are affiliated with the Colorado Rockies, and in their league, it's called the, called the Northwest League. The Cubs actually have a team in that league as well. It's called the Eugene Emeralds. Um, so I spent some time in Eugene, Oregon that summer, just on the road, obviously, with the nice. team. Mm-hmm. Uh, long bus rides are the big theme of that league. Uh, our shortest ride was six hours. <laughs> our longest ride was 13 hours um, to Vancouver, Canada. So we needed a passport just to even take the job mm-hmm. because you had to travel. But so with the Colorado Rockies, and I'll tell you what, that summer, it was a hell of a summer because in that league, especially the Northwest League, the guys who are just drafted in June go out to play short season. That's where usually MLB teams will send their new draftees just because it's not as much of a grind. They don't want to send them to a full 140 right after their college season is done. So the guys we had were all 22 out of college. I was 22 out of college, and it was an absolute blast. We had some really good guys. Uh, We didn't make the playoffs that year, but 76 games on the road for 40-something of them, it was really cool. That's hustling. Like, it, it was. You, you know what? That's that's minor league baseball. A lot of people ask me, "Is like, yeah, do you take like airplanes on the road?" I said, "No, <laughs> no. You you get on the bus and you hope you can fall asleep." Yeah, <laughs> rumors are true on that long bus ride. Oh yeah. Minor league. Oh yeah. Um, God, that's cool that that you were exposed to that so early, and so within you know Cape Cod and going to Boise. How'd you find those? How'd you know who to talk to? Get in touch with? It's like okay. You know, you, you said, you know, little me from Butler, you know, all these people from these big Syracuse, ASU, like, so how does BK from Butler get to Cape Cod, Idaho, now you're already in the Cubs organization, um, finding those people, those connections, because it's, it's relationship building. Yeah, it is relationship building. So, so how, how, what did that process and picture look like of, of you and, and building those relationships? Surprisingly, Cape Cod was the easiest route because I have an old baseball coach who played out there. His son is now in AAA with the New York Yankees. Uh, his name is uh, Mark Payton. My old coach's name is Dave Payton. He played in the big leagues, um, I'm sorry, the minor leagues with the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm. And his son, Mark, as mentioned, is uh, AAA right now. Um, so both of them played in Cape Cod, and one day, I think it was sometime during maybe sophomore year at Butler, uh, he just gave me a ring. We'd catch up once in a while. I said, hey, man, like, uh, have you ever thought about the Cape Cod Baseball League? I said, no, and I didn't know anything about it at the time. Really, I mean, it, I've always said you don't truly know the Cape until you spend a summer out there because three months out there changed my life. Hmm. And uh, my old coach, Dave, uh, definitely made it known that, he thought the Cape Cod Baseball League could be a big rise for me. It could be a launch pad, which it ultimately was. So uh, I just sent a note to all 10 teams, uh, sent over uh, some tapes. So broadcasters always have reels, always have tapes. So, you know, on my phone right now, I have, like, South Bend Cubs innings. I have the Wrigley innings I did last year in September ready on SoundCloud to send to anybody who may want them. Mm. Or, you know, if I want to send an email, hey, can you take a listen? Like, I'll do that to major league broadcasters, and they'll call me back and give me some tips or uh, give me some critiques. So uh, Cape Cod, that was actually the easiest, as mentioned. I sent it over uh, to all 10 teams. The Orleans Firebirds were the first club to get back to me. Uh, My boss, uh, Stu Murray and Elaine Brickman, um, got back to me actually in a decent amount of time and offered me the job. And next thing I knew, I was out in Cape Cod. Boise was different because I actually found that job on a job board, actually. Um, And they had just posted it. And same thing. um, When applying for a job in broadcasting, you send your resume, you send a cover letter, and you send your broadcasting reel. So I sent them an inning from Cape Cod. 
uh, which is, I think, one of the innings, if I remember right, we had a walk-off home run. I think that's oh, what I said. Cool. That's awesome. I bet you were hyped. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Give so, them the juice. <laughs> right. So I think I sent that to them, and they responded maybe a couple weeks before Christmas, and okay. I was hired. I think on like December fourteenth or fifteenth to to go call games in Boise. So that good, was a good lot Christmas more. That year. Yeah, great Christmas. Yeah. Uh, so that was a lot more marketing yourself. Really, I mean, you're your own agent until really you make the big leagues. Okay. I mean, I know some guys in like AAA who have agents. Right now, I don't have an agent. Um, my family is very helpful in uh, supporting me. But really, I mean, it's marketing yourself. It's being able to go in and tell somebody, hey, you know, I could do this, this, and this for you, and I can provide, you know, excitement on the air. I can provide an informational broadcast. I can make your listeners really be in depth with the call, and I can have a lot of fun doing it. That's usually my pitch. And uh, that worked in Boise. Um, that has worked here in South Bend so far. And uh, like I said, every day it's it's really about marketing yourself. Okay. That's awesome. It, t- talk. I want to I wanna hear what your experience was like doing the, the Cubs and Brewers game in September. You want to just talk about what that was like getting to go up there and see that experience because I'm sure that was a rush for you. I remember I tuned into your Instagram live. That uh, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it was lit. It I was, think I put all caps in whatever I wrote. I don't remember my words, <laughs> yeah. but it was all caps. Oh, I know God. that much. It, it was unreal, guys. I mean, uh, and first of all, let me say it would not have been possible without the South Bend Cubs because my boss here, his name is Chris, Hag- Chris Hagstrom. He is the director of media and promotions here. Um, he is very close with the Chicago Cubs media relations department. Jason mm-hmm. Carr and Alex Wilcox run the Cubs media re- relations, and I have now built uh, relationships with them. I attended spring training earlier this year, and they were my route to get to Arizona. So uh, definitely building relationships in the Cubs organization is, has been very valuable, and it, it's been really cool. But Chris was the guy that got everything set up at Wrigley. And you know what's kind of interesting about the whole thing is that I think we got the approval maybe around this time last year. And they were like, yeah, you know, September 11th, uh, Milwaukee will be in town. Uh, you guys should be good, good to be in the booth. Uh, we'll look forward to having you. And at that time, I think the Cubs had like a five-game lead in the division. Mm. And they looked to be, you know, decently running away with it. Now, we all know what happened with the Cubs last <laughs> season. I don't want to bring that up. But it came to a point where we got to the week of, and Milwaukee was like three games back. And the Cubs were slumping a little bit. Uh, Wilson Contreras was going through uh, his slump at that time. I think he was only hitting like 135 to start September uh, for the month. And uh, so Victor Caratini had been seeing a lot more ABs. Caratini actually rehabbed in South Bend here earlier this year in May. So it's getting to a point where, like, the Brewers are playing some hot ball. That's when Yellows was going off. That's when Lorenzo Cain was playing really well. Um, Josh Hader was still unhittable, the the big lefty with the long long blonde hair. And it got to the day of the Brewers are a game back. It's like, oh, my God, like, you know, we're about to go into Wrigley, and the winner of this game is going to take first place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we're driving in from South Bend, um, getting to Wrigley. We're listening to Joe Madden's pregame show on 670 The Score, and Joe starts announcing the lineup. So I have my scorecard with me, so I start writing down some notes. I And I had prepped, you know, a good week or so in advance or started prepping you really can't prep too early just because stats change stats change too often for a big broadcast like that i'll take a week usually um for like a game day like today i take about like two hours to myself um to prepare for the game so uh like today i'll i'll start prepping at probably like five o'clock or something like that to get ready for a 705 start sure so we get to wrigley and we get in the broadcast booth and like really i just you know like there's so much going through my head of you know like 
like holy, you know, holy moly, like you know, this is an empty. I'm looking at an empty Wrigley Field. The guys are about to start taking batting practice. Um, I just went downstairs and started walking through the concourse just to try and clear my head a little bit. And it got to a point where the Cubs were taking BP on the field. They don't take BP on the field every day, actually. Mm. It's it's only in special cases. Joe Madden doesn't like to hit um, on the field every day. Guys will go in the cages, but Joe Madden is the type of manager where he feels like guys hit too much. So they were taking BP that day, and I find myself then right in front of the Cubs dugout on the third base side on the dirt. Chris Bryant is probably like to that picture at the end of the room right there he's standing over there taking ground so balls at third eight, ten feet away yeah. he's taking ground balls over at third i'm watching uh you know anthony rizzo ian happ victor caratini take swings in the cage and like it took everything in me just to not just bring out that five six year old kid that's you know smiling <laughs> on super that. fan yeah, yeah <laughs> you, know, you know i i remember um you're real yeah I mean, when uh, Nomar Garcia-Pare got traded to the Chicago Cubs in 2005, that would have made me 11 years old. I was at his Wrigley Field debut, mm. and he was signing autographs down the third base line. And I remember there were two um, larger dudes in front of me. They were probably like our age now. They were trying to get his autograph. And I remember I was poking my hand through the two guys with a baseball and a pen. Yeah. Instead of grabbing their ball, he grabbed mine, oh. and he signed his last autograph for me. And like that, that's like the eleven-year-old kid that wanted to just break out with Chris Bryant eight feet away from me, and like yeah. me standing at Wrigley, you know, watching guys hit balls on the Waveland in Sheffield. Um, so that was pregame, and uh, you know, during the game, uh, things got started. Jose Quintana was pitching for Chicago. Um, he was going against Yolis Chassin. And Quintana actually had a pretty good record coming into the start. He was like 3-0 against Milwaukee that year. Um, so he had had some success. Pitched a gem, six and two-thirds, didn't allow a run. Cubs ultimately win the game 3 nothing. And, guys, it, it was so special. Um, it, I had goosebumps for a majority of the night. And you know what? Even though it was a final of 3 nothing, Milwaukee had a really good chance at it. They left the bases loaded in the... Uh, top of the seventh inning it was right before the seventh inning stretch. Uh, Quintana came out of the game after six and two thirds, so with two outs in the seventh inning, he exited. The bases were loaded because Hernan Perez chopped the ball out to second base. Daniel Murphy, the Cubs' second baseman, charged at it through the first. Perez slid in head first at the bag, was ruled uh, was ruled out. Replay showed he was safe. So bases loaded. Justin Wilson comes in the game. The batter is Manny Pena, the Brewers' backup catcher. Wilson blows three fastballs by him that exceeded 97 miles an hour. I get to call that strikeout. And Wrigley erupts. 42,000 people in my headset are screaming. Oh, man. And I got goosebumps now. Man, it was, it was one of the cooler moments of my life. That's awesome. Oh, that's electric. How motivating was that night for you? Unreal. Um, the way I thought about it was at that time in 2017 my last game was a Boise Hawk short season game which okay. is nothing wrong with that you know it is some good experience in 2018 my last game that I called before opening day this year was a Chicago Cubs game at Wrigley yeah, yeah. and you think about that growth and you think about um, being able to excel that much and again I've gotten so lucky I've gotten so many of these opportunities that have been unbelievable from so many tremendous people but you got to take advantage of those opportunities, and I think I really have. And it's definitely cool to say that you know I've been in the broadcast booth at Wrigley and I'm able to call a game of that uh, magnitude. Amazing. So I, I do have to point out is it's funny because we're watching uh, BP right now, and 
they're playing on the big screen the Cubs Milwaukee's game currently. <laughs> and you you just described right. your whole calling of the Cubs Milwaukee. So I just think that's kind of funny that that we're here talking about that experience and, and the Cubs are playing Milwaukee now. Um, so BK, I remember uh, younger you was like my my dream is to be an announcer for the Chicago Cubs and, and you uh, did a game there. So at this point, it's like okay, I was dreaming about that. I've called an actual Chicago game. How much of you is just like? this can really happen now because a lot of people like they think ah yeah i wish one day if i could do that you know but you're not just talking it so you're, you're really walking the journey you put the time and effort in how how is that of like th- this is this is really possible now like like i am on my way i'm in the exact organization i grew up falling in love with so so describe that moment to us where it's like it, it's close it's a thing where <clears throat> it's a thing where you want to be confident and you mm-hmm. want to put a full court press every day, but at the same time you kind of you don't want to cross that line of being like you know this could actually be a thing. Like mm-hmm. you know I fully believe that it can be a possibility someday, mm-hmm. and but that can only happen with hard work every day, a commitment to each broadcast, no matter the magnitude, whether it's a you know, a single A game on a Tuesday, or whether it's a Cubs game on a Friday against the Milwaukee Brewers, right? You want to put the same emotion to every type of game. You want to say, put the same passion into each day. You want to be the same person you were when you started, than where you ended, and you just want to be known as a good guy in the business. I think if you can do those four things, you're going to have a pretty good future, and that's what's been installed in me by, first of all, my parents. Uh, My dad, Tim, and my mom, Laura, have been ultra supportive. I mean, I remember when I had to tell my mom, especially, I was moving 22 hours away to Boise. That was an interesting conversation, just because that would have been the the farthest I've ever been from home. But you're right, uh, Slager, is that, like, you know, you truly believe that it can happen, but you just wanna make sure you're doing everything every day to get you there you know i've spoken with len casper who's the cubs tv announcer who we're hearing right now i've spoken with pat hughes who is my personal hero who is the chicago cubs radio announcer uh last winter i spent some time with him on the phone and he listened to my wrigley innings mm. um from the milwaukee game and you know i took three pages of notes from wow. from what he said and i you know i have those notes in my apartment and uh whenever i feel like you know i need a uh a little refresh on the broadcast i'll take a look at those like all right you know am i doing this enough you know uh a big part of broadcasting baseball is the simplicity of it now when you listen to a game on the radio especially it's all about descriptions mm-hmm. it's all about painting the picture you've sat in the booth with me yep. it's yep. all fire about truck red. fire truck red <laughs> it's it's all about making sure that you are the listener's eyes and i take pride in that and that's why i adore Pat Hughes as a broadcaster because he is the ultimate describer of the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if, if you stop in the booth tonight, um, you'll definitely see that, uh, you know, I, I definitely take descriptions on, on a big level. Yeah, so. that's awesome. So, BK, I'm, I'm a little interested mm-hmm. on your take. So this question was also fueled by our good buddy, uh, Nate Lee. Okay. Uh, also very, very big Cubs fan. Um, what are your thoughts on the U Darvish deal? The contract? Yeah. Yeah. I was a supporter of it from the start. Look, it's been 
Iraqi. It's a, it a big deal. It, it, yeah, it is. Uh, 126 million dollars is a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money to commit to any guy, and any sport, and any role. But I've been a supporter of it from the start because if you look at the term of the deal, it's six years, and you look at what Jake Arrieta got from the Philadelphia Phillies, it was about three years, 60 to 70 million, something along those lines. So the length of Arietta's contract, because it was basically the choice of you, Darvish, or Jake Arietta. And now Arietta is struggling this season. He's on the injured list right now. He's had a couple run-ins with uh, a few AL East opponents. Uh, he told a guy he was going <laughs> to wring his neck once. Oh, so yeah. Arietta is uh, uh, hes a passionate guy. Um, he's also a big guy. I yeah, big guy. I, w- I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't want him mad at me. But no. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you know, you Darvish, um, the deal, I was a supporter of it from the start mm-hmm. because he has the best – strikeouts per nine innings ratio in major league history Mm. it's not the best of his age range it's not the best of an international player it's the best in big league history better than nolan ryan better than any power pitcher you can think of and when you darvish is at his best his cutter is unhittable he's got a nasty splitter he can throw upwards of six pitches and i think we're starting to see that you darvish come in now to the chicago cubs this past month has been very good he's been pitching consistently fastball is coming in at 97 his velocity is up from the past couple of years so i think we're finally starting to see a healthy you darvish that was the problem last year you know he rehabbed here in south bend twice the first time he went five innings uh, allowed one run struck out six and then he came back here and actually had to leave the game um, due to the elbow mm. so he had the procedure over the winter and now we're starting to see the U Darvish of old come through. And the best part about having Darvish here in Chicago is that even though you're paying him that kind of money, the Cubs can afford to have him be the fourth or fifth starter because, you know, it's one of the wealthiest franchises in the MLB. So the Cubs can afford to have him be in the four and five spot. But what you need from U Darvish the rest of the run, five, six innings, if he can strike out seven to eight, and in that stretch, he's doing his job, and I think he can be a major player down the stretch for the Cubs because if he is able to take that rotation, now have Cole Hamels back, it can be the best rotation in baseball down the stretch. There you have it. I'm sold. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wanted to my, – my last question is your, your preparation because obviously you have been very successful in your craft because of the way you prepare – you said tonight you're preparing for two hours before a game. That's usually what you do. I want to ask you, like, how you spend a lot of time around these guys. How does your how does your conversations with them? How does that enhance your knowledge in the booth? How has how has your preparation, the way you prepare, separated you to be successful? I guess I want to ask. Preparation is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just you go sit in the booth for three hours and you just talk. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, everything that I say is usually planned out. I'd say a good 80% of the stuff that I say is prepared and probably 20% is just on the fly having fun. And you kind of have to have that mix Mm -hmm. because in the booth, some of the best conversations guys have had over the years have just been, you know, blank, blank, you know, this is what I did uh, the other day and this guy was there, you know, something like that. You know, if you can tell a funny story and you're just like, oh, this would be perfect in this situation. But usually everything uh, that's said is prepped and, 
you know, you want to have a solid grasp on these guys, each one of them. You want to know their backstory. So, you know, like I was saying, Cole Roeder earlier, a California kid, second-round pick of the Chicago Cubs, uh, signed a signing bonus upwards of $2 million. Um, the Cubs are fully committed to him, and he's fully committed to the Cubs. Then you have the guys like uh, earlier this year, we had a guy by the name of Jeff Passantino, who was the final pick, 1,215th of the 2017 draft. And actually, Passantino and I have now uh, been, with, been with each other each year of our pro career. Uh, Passantino pitched in Cape Cod in 2016 for an opposing team. And actually, I got to make my national TV debut in Cape Cod on Fox Sports. They came and did a game, and Passantino was pitching. So Jeff, uh, he was on an opposing team in 2017 in the Northwest League. And then he was here in South Bend partly last season, and he started in South Bend this year. So it's stories like that where, you you know, you just are on the road with these guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get to know them over the years. And believe it or not, we actually have a guy named Brendan King. So oh, right. spelled <laughs> the exact same way. B-R-E-N-D-A-N-K-I-N-G. And he was also in Cape Cod in 2016. Wow. I'll tell this story real fast. Um, so it's 2016 Cape Cod. We're in Falmouth, which is the west southwestern portion of the Cape. And uh, sometimes in that league, changes come quickly. Um, guys are in and out just because they're college pitchers. So sometimes their coaches pull them and, uh, you know, they have to go home because they hit their innings limit. So a lot of times guys come in like the day of and you just don't hear of it because the rosters aren't printed in time. So I'm broadcasting the game in Falmouth with my broadcast team, Logan Raddick and Hannah Hartman. And a new pitcher is coming in. It's like the fourth inning. Right, It's a right-hander. So I'm looking down on the roster because they handed us a brand new roster like like during the game mm. so because they didn't put them in time so i'm looking down the roster and i'm looking at the number and i finally get my finger down it says brendan king and i'm i have to get back on the air in like 10 seconds so it's like well we welcome you back to falmouth massachusetts orleans firebirds and the commodores new pitcher for falmouth is right-hander brendan king i'm brendan king with you on the cape cod <laughs> baseball league network and we and, and I, I'll be right back. Yeah. Let me throw these few balls. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm researching this guy while the inning's happening, and uh, he's been here in South Bend last year and this year, so That's definitely cool. a fun story. That's cool, man. Well, it's uh, it's really fun to hear that you're you're doing it, and, and you love doing it, and it's it's what you get to do every day, so I won't call it, like, your work, um, but it's, it, it's I know it's it is fun to call work. it your work. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, like I said at the start, you know, it's, it's like an iceberg. Um, you know, working in baseball, you're here at – usually about 10 o'clock in the morning and last night with the first Zobers game I was here till about midnight so I mean you know they're long days you have to be prepared for that but at the same time it's a lot of fun because you can have those special moments like Ben Zobers playing it for Winsfield for the South Bend Cubs so it's long it's it's like that iceberg where you know people see you know on social media you know the tip of the iceberg is you know doing a Cubs game at Wrigley um, interviewing Cole Hamels at Cubs convention all these cool things with the organization but what people don't see is you know having you know getting up after a long night and you know going to the park at nine or ten o'clock in the morning um you know grinding through being on the bus for six seven hours um that's the part that a lot of people don't see but at the same time it's it's one of the fun parts because that's really where you get to know the guys on the bus i mean there are stories told uh, there's a lot of laughs and uh it's one of the uh more fun parts of the job yeah well, we can we can tell by the way you talk about it, how much you really love it and enjoy it, and it's it's your true passion. So it's it's cool to to see you progress and the growth here. So um, 
thank you so much for your time. Uh, Thanks, fellas. BK, Thanks, we know BK. you got a busy day and uh, you got some prep work to do, so we'll let you Absolutely. get after it. But uh, thank you. This was a blast, man. Thanks, boys. That yeah. was fun. Yep.